Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour or more as we break down this past weekend of racing, and what an exciting weekend it was. Before we get into that, let me introduce you to the panel tonight, first and foremost, my buddy, Gray Warren. Gray, how are you this evening? I'm I'm doing good, I'm, I'm thawed out now from this week. Fought out from Martinsville, absolutely. It was miserable cold at the racetrack. So, yeah, Gray and I were both at the track, and it was miserable cold. But, uh, man, heck of a race, though. So, and we'll talk talk about that in just a bit. Richard Uden in the house as well. Richard, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Good to talk to you again. And Seth, you? E- <laughs> Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune. Seth, how you doing? I'm doing good. All right, so uh, so Martinsville, um, interesting race. I, I I dare say it was probably the most entertaining race NASCAR has put on um, this year, from start to finish, from start to finish, hard racing, and that's why I love the short tracks, and that's why the sport needs more short tracks. But uh, we'll debate that and talk about it a little later. But uh, first off, let's just run through the odd series of events um, that kind of transpired uh, towards the end of the race there. So we've got uh, Brad Keselowski in the Penske car. Really good run all day. Win, won the first stage handily. Um, he trailed Kyle Busch most of stage two. Is able to nip nip uh, Kyle right there at the end of stage two and take a second stage win. Um, and then in the in the waning laps of the, the stage three, um, Brad's leading quite handily. Has a a lead of about a second and a half, um, less than 10 laps to go at this point. Uh, right about then, um, his teammate Joey Logano makes a little contact with Kyle Busch, and suddenly Logano's uh, got uh, fender rubbing on the tire and a lot of smoke coming out of that uh, the rear of the car as it's rubbing on the tire. Uh, Logano and his crew chief make the call to stay out rather than head down pit lane Um Curiously enough, because uh, Keselowski certainly did not need that yellow, but in short order, uh, 
Logano loses that tire, loses the car, causes the yellow, sets up another restart. Um, Keselowski takes the outside line, uh, which is, in retrospect, maybe that was a bad idea, but Brad had been running that outside line all day and had been working well for him. On the restart, um, Brad's got uh, Chase Elliott inside him. Chase kind of washes Brad up the track. Brad slides up high, drops back uh, out of the top five uh, as Denny Hamlin comes after um, Chase Elliott for the lead. Um, Now, Denny uh, puts his nose right in the back of uh, Chase, spins him around, you know, pushes him out of the way, lifts his rear tires off the track, um, and uh, grabs the lead off of Chase. Uh, And this is the only time I've seen Denny Hamlin boot in the state of Virginia. Uh, which gives us another caution, sets up another restart, um, <laughs> where we see uh, Kyle Busch get the better of Denny Hamlin on the restart. Or no, was it? Uh, you see that now? See now I'm getting confused. It got some money. Kyle Busch was there to pick up the pieces after uh, Hamlin tangled, and Hamlin went up high on the track, and then uh, behind, you know, Keselowski works his way back up to fourth place, and behind them, the rest of the field wrecks. Uh, you know, I, the, the funniest thing I ever heard was MRN radio, which I was listening to on my headphones when they said, and this last crash involved, well, everybody. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Gray, um, you were there in turn one. I was there in turn two. Um, man, what's your take of this? Let's start with Logano staying out with that, uh, with that uh, rubbing, rubbing panel on the tire. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, it, it was creating a lot of smoke. But there again, he was going to stay on the track, hope, hopefully that, that another caution would come out and it wouldn't be him. And he would get in, get down pit road and have it, have it, the car service without losing a lap. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon. You saw other cars throughout the course of the race having uh, uh, fenders kicked in on tires, not to the degree, obviously, that Logano's was 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 kicked in on his, but you had guys stay out in, uh, in, uh, with that because I tell you, it's all about track position. You go to the pits at Martinsville, you're going to lose uh, two laps. I mean, that's, that's a given. Yeah, and, really, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Joey had run good. He'd run strong. He'd, he'd been one of the top five cars all day long, and he'd got into that, uh, you know, uh, got into that brouhaha late in the race. But uh, and Kyle got into him while he was trying to get under another car in front of him, and it was sort of a chain reaction that left the tent, uh, his fender knocked in on the tire. So yeah, I can't blame him for staying out. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I heard a remark by his crew chief uh, yesterday saying that yeah, he should have brought him in, but yeah, but then again, you know, staying out in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the battle, you do things you you think will work and. I tell you, the way that racing was going, the last hundred laps was pretty. Uh, all three of the lead cars were within mere car lengths of one another, and as they tried to negotiate lap traffic, it made for some terrific racing. Uh, I thought the last uh, 125 laps of, the, uh, of it were, were terrific. Uh, a lot of action, a, lot, a little bit of beating and banging, uh, people scrambling to get through traffic, and it was it was a classic Martinsville race. The last. Uh, Oh, God, I guess you could say the last 150 laps yeah, or so ab- of the race. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's some folks are saying that, you know, they 
that you know the, Joey should have went in the pits to help his teammate out who's got a shot at the championship. Uh, Joey, who didn't make the chase, but in my mind, you know, had Joey gone right to the pits, somebody else would have brought out a caution. It, it, it was bound to happen either way, don't you think? Oh yeah, and 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 I'll bring back this too. You know, some uh, Carl Long brought out a caution when uh, when the twenty four had a really sizable lead, and and what I'm saying by a sizable lead, a sizable lead by standards on that day, he had probably pulled out maybe. Maybe a second, second and a half on 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 second place, and which is not a great deal, but that was, it was pretty comfortable uh, for him. And then Carl Long in the '66 wrecks in turn two, and at the time he wrecked, he was 12 laps down. Uh, you know, and that that was that was the first of the problems that started, and and started somewhat to started the demise of the 24. Um, but like I said. Carl Long got, got just as much right to be out there racing as anyone else. So, you know, you, you did hear some people talk about that. But, but there again, that's, that's a moot point. Um, so let's, you, let's talk about this Denny Hamlin thing a little bit. That seems to be the chatter on everybody's mind there. You know, um, Denny, Denny's going for a championship. You know, so is Chase. Um, you know, somebody had put on social media, oh, they ought to park. Uh, Denny for two races because they parked Kenseth. I'm like, well, Kenseth was what four laps down and took the leader out. This is a Denny Hamlet thing. Is totally tough. I mean, great. What, what do you think, Denny? Thumbs up, Denny. Thumbs down, Denny. Um, I, you know, um, I hated to see it happen to Chase Elliott. I hated to see him get get booted out when when his first win was 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 that close, you know, to happening. Um, you know, on the, on the, on the lap before, uh, Chase had driven it in real hard on the inside of, uh, of the two car and rooted him up the track out of the groove and up into the marbles and, and proceeded to move on. Uh, and I, and Brad wasn't really happy with that, uh, with that move too. So they go back down and make, before they can make one complete lap, Denny pulls in and pulls up on his back bumper and he drives in hard and gets right on the bumper and pushes him up out of the groove. Um, I think Denny intended to get under him and rough him up and push him up out of the groove. I don't think he intended for the outcome to be quite as drastic as it was and spinning completely around. I think he wanted to move him up the track instead of spinning him. Uh, and that just that that brings out the uh, uh, the competitiveness in these drivers, and I think it's a byproduct of the chase. You've got three lace, three races left to secure your spot in the final race to run for the championship. I think when that happens, the gloves come off. Uh, and the gentlemanly aspects of the sport go away. And like I said, I do believe Denny, tried, Denny was trying to rough him up and get into him just like Chase had done the lap before to the two car. Uh, I, I don't believe Denny wanted to, wanted it to end quite that way with him spinning around backwards. I think he was probably wanting to see a little bit more like what happened on the lap previous when when the car when the car in the lead just kind of got moved up the track and out of the way. That's a that that's a little more acceptable than than, than what happened. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, those guys are gunning for a spot in that. 
You know, if you're not one of those four cards, you got no shot at the championship. Now, Seth, you want to you want to chime in on this too as well, don't you? Yes. Uh, now, Denny did apologize on on TV to Chase and on Twitter. Yes, he ex- exaggerated on Twitter. He said he ran nearly or has run nearly ten thousand races since he was seven years old. That is an exaggeration by all means. But well, he, point he is, include his Mario Kart, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the point is, uh, he did apologize, although the story he told Chase was that he had another car pushing him. He said something else on TV uh, when he was interviewed, and then he just said he made a mistake flat out on uh, Twitter. So... Uh, basically take it as, you know, uh, basically your opinion, whether it was intentional, whether it wasn't intentional. There's fans that go back and forth and say one or the other. And it actually leads me to my second point. Dale Jr. on his podcast this week, they were talking about this particular subject. And Dale Jr. actually opened up saying that he has intentionally wrecked people throughout his career. And he apologized to them on the radio, the ones I could remember, one of which easily comes to mind for most fans or may come to mind, Kyle Busch at Richmond in 2008. First race, Junior got wrecked by uh, Kyle. Second Richmond race, Junior wrecks Kyle. And he actually started a hashtag on Twitter, hashtag I wrecked him. I did see that. That was fun. Yeah. yeah hey, get a, hey, say, all, say all you want about uh, Junior. He's got a great sense of humor. And Landon Castle, Matthew Bandetto, and a few others have chimed in on there as well. So, by all means, go and check it out if, if you want to laugh a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right, Gray. So, we've got uh, Chase in the wall now. Another caution. Denny and Kyle Bush and so uh, take us take us from there that last schmazzle at the end there and, and there were some heated um, heated discussions between uh, Mr. Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick as well a couple more of our uh, um, playoff contenders well yeah you know and I saw the deal between Ryan and Harvick and all them and that was just they were just reacting to both of those cars were just reacting to what was going on around them and I think it just made their two cars come together. Uh, when I look at this, when I look at it, I think what Harvick was a little uh, was a little upset about was wasn't there at the end so much as he was some some incidents earlier in the day when uh, they got together on the racetrack and uh, uh, the 21 car he felt was being a little bit too aggressive uh, trying to get around him. Uh, Harvick had an okay day. He didn't have a car that was that was capable of winning, but he had a car that could, could easily, you know, run in the top 10. Uh, the 21 car had a, had an exceptional car. He had a car that ran close to the top five most of the day. And I think that's what, that, what, what was Harvick was upset about. And then the two cars got together on that last lap, uh, uh, deal. But I think that was more of a product of what was of the cars around them. that just kind of led them cars, two cars to collide. And I think that deal is, that that to me was much ado about nothing, but uh, going back to the restart after the um, after the uh, eleven and twenty four incident, uh, that put Denny Hamlin in the lead, 
with a green-white checker and Kyle Busch starting on the outside. And Kyle Busch, who had had a good car most of the day, uh, had run, had had a car capable of running in the top five all day. It got shuffled back and had a had a few had a few issues during the day, but uh, finds himself in second place starting on the outside. He got a really good restart. Was able to uh, to uh, um, get close in on uh, on Denny, get get uh, get inside of him, and racing the last lap kind of kind of rooted him up out of the way and that allowed the two the 78 to get inside of the of the 18 and of course it was a drag race back to the to the finish and the 18 was able to hold off the 78 and and grab second place so it was an exciting crazy wacky finish uh uh at martinsville and the fans got their money's worth the fans that were that were able to brave the cold weather and stay on and got to see a really good uh, good race end under the lights for the first time in Martinsville yeah. history. Yes, the cars were spectacular under the lights. I mean, there's nothing like a good night race, you know. Uh, just, I just love the way the cars look under the under the lights. So, um, but yeah, I th- you know, pound for pound, I, I think this was uh, you know, one of the most exciting races NASCAR has put on this year. And you know, with the with the playoff implications we have going in here, so we've got uh, Kyle Busch who um, has punched his ticket to the to homestead so he can he can uh, kind of relax the next couple weekends you know, not really relax but he can kind of prepare for homestead and he doesn't really have to he's not a must win uh martin truex who finished second um truex had a really good day at martinsville you know for a guy who's not known as a, as a short track uh expert there's never won on a short track um second place at the end of the day truex with his pile of um you know, stage wins and race wins over the year. He's probably fairly safe on points right there. Um, third in the points, I believe, is right now Keselowski, who uh, had two stage wins at Martinsville and held on for fourth place after um, being shuffled back. Um, and then we have a bunch of guys separated by just a few points. And then Chase Elliott, um, who was you know, that close to being at the top of the order coming out of Martinsville, right back to the bottom. Um, and he's in a must win. So as we look at this thing, right? So there's two guys that are likely in Truex, you know, and, and Kyle for sure are in, um, Chase is likely out unless he pulls off his first win at Texas, um, and or Phoenix, which is certainly possible. You know, the, the kids run well, um, all year long. Uh, but all these guys in the middle are fighting over. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The last two spots, and and I'm not sure that uh, Brad's not in a bit of trouble because he's going to a couple of tracks that aren't, you know, to his liking. You know, they're not his favorite tracks. Now, Seth, you you've looked at that's this a lot in gray. Uh, you look at this a lot too. So, uh, I mean, really, when we're looking at these last two spots, right? You, you think Brad's got a shot there, or, or do you think he's he's fighting an uphill battle despite the two stage wins? I think he might be fighting an uphill battle, and it's mainly just because of where Team Penske has been this year as far as the intermediate tracks are concerned. Uh, yes, Brad won Atlanta. He was leading Vegas until a mechanical problem, but after that, he has struggled at intermediate tracks. At Chicagoland and Kansas and Charlotte, he finished outside the top 10. So... If he does that while the rest of his competitors finish inside the top 10, as they have for the bulk of the season, uh, he is likely to fall out of the top four, giving drivers like Harvick, Hamlin, Blaney, and even Chase Elliott a chance to climb back in. And Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson. Don't forget, Jimmy Johnson has got Phoenix Circle on his calendar. Uh, well, you think you would have had Martinsville circled on his calendar too, and he run very poorly there. Yeah, uh, he was. He, it, he was a he, disappointment. He sure was. You're right. Yeah, he 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 tried to parlay some track position to try and finish good and get some stage points, and I believe he did. He was able to garner stage points in, in both in, in in both or probably all three stages. But one stage he. Uh, no, we did not get points in one stage, but he, he parlayed some track position to get uh, points in another stage where he, he did, in fact, lead a few laps. But going back to the Brad Keselowski thing, going back to the Brad Keselowski. I don't know what that noise was. I don't know what that was selling. I thought we were in the garage area. Um, going back to the Brad Keselowski thing and, and him talking about, you know, Martinsville was a must win for him, alluding to he, – he doesn't like his chances going into Texas. I think there might be a little bit of gamesmanship. And, and granted, uh, the the two car and the Penske organization has not been as strong on the intermediate tracks as they have been in previous years. And and Brad has been one of the more outspoken uh, guys about uh, Toyota's dominance uh, throughout this year. And I think part of that may be what he's looking to. But I, I do look for Brad to be in the game. Uh, when they go to uh, uh, to um, to Texas, because he's close enough there that where he can smell it, uh, he can taste it. He'll get up on the wheel, and those Penske guys will will pull out some stops and uh, uh, gonna concede Texas to anybody. Uh, I think they'll uh, I think they'll be uh, you know they'll be as competitive as they can be when they when they get out there. Again, we all got to look at probably Truex. Being the dominant car, he's been on the mile and a half this year, going out there and being being the favorite uh, going out there. But I think also Kyle Busch 
is going to be uh, going to be tough. And you'd mentioned too. Uh, um, I think Chase Elliott uh, and and Ryan Blaney will also uh, flex a little bit of muscle uh, going out there. And then of, of course we got to look at Jimmy. But you know we always throw Jimmy and what he's done in the past. And yes, he has he has been strong in these Chase races at Texas. But I tell you what. That team is just – there's a missing element there, and they have just not had the consistency that that they've had. Now, they could surprise everybody, and he could pull a rabbit out of his hat. But I tell you what, I would be I would be surprised if he goes to Texas and, and, and races with any dominant fashion. Now, Richard, you've been feeling left out. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, what, what's your take on these uh, these last couple spots here? Because, you know, you've got Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott's still in there, you know, Brad Harvick. Um, you got a lot of good cars shooting for two spots there. Um, what, when you look at this thing, uh, uh, who piques your interest? What do you, what do you think um, we're looking at? I think you've got to come in at the tech. I mean, if you go on form, and how well they race at those tracks. I think you've got to look for Jimmy at Texas and probably Kevin Harvick at Phoenix. I know Harvick's not been on this great run that he was at Phoenix a few years ago where he won almost three or four races there in a row. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. And as Harvick said, coming out of the back end of, of the Martinsville race, it's, this is the time when guys are now starting to you know, flex the muscles a little bit. And I think probably more so than in, in recent years, it's getting really, really close now. And... Any of these eight guys can can progress through to well. Any of the sorry six that are left over can can take those final two spots with good runs. There's no real sort of lame ducks in there now. I mean, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, some of the more experienced guys, maybe feel they can maybe bully those guys a little bit, as we saw a little bit at uh, at Martinsville with, uh, with with Denny's move there on. Uh, on chase at the end of the race, but um, yeah, it's, you, you, some some of these guys are going to get pretty wide cars, especially at Phoenix. Um, you know, you can uh, you can move somebody out of the way at Phoenix uh, far easier than you can at Texas, I think. All right, now Seth, you uh, you've got a couple more points you'd like to make. <laughs> yes, uh, <clears throat> there's some people who are not going to like what I'm about to say, but just remember, Denny Hamlin had an encumbered win earlier this year at Darlington, lost five points, uh, playoff points as a result. Had he had those five playoff points, instead of being eight points on uh, to basically being out right now, he would be three points out. So that could be the difference for the championship four. Oh, it sure could, yeah. It's that close, yeah. And that's and, that's why Denning was so aggressive to go after the win right there. And you can't you can't blame these guys the way the system is set up. You know what I mean? Uh, any other you know pre chase year right now, Truex probably would have clinched. Yes, you know, by, you know two races ago. Um, but this is what NASCAR has set out to keep the interest in the series all the way to the final race and. I think it does a good job of that, whether or not uh, the old-time racing purists agree with it and whether or not it's actually attracting new fans or not. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And you know, I was sitting here watching Chase Elliott leading towards the end of the race, just thinking, you know, wow, here's a guy who hasn't won all season, 
But if he wins this thing today, he's punched his ticket to the championship um, ahead of some guys that have, have uh, you know, done better. But, I mean, it is what it is. You, you, you work to the system you're given. Exactly. And just one more final thought on this, just to put some stuff into perspective. Of the eight that are left going for the championship, Ryan Blaney actually has the least lead lap finishes this year, 19. The rest of his competitors, it ranges from 24 to 26. And the driver in who's still in the playoffs right now, with the most races running at the finish, Denny Hamlin with 30. The rest of his competitors, it ranges about 27, 28. But just to put that into perspective as far as the consistency. Yeah, that's in, that's an interesting stat, yeah, because but the, the new system does not so much reward consistency anymore. You know? It's it's kind of funny because you can realistically you know, win stage one win stage one, stage two, and then DNF and still still come out of a weekend with a pretty good points finish. You know, that that was never possible in years past, so I don't know. It is what it is. Gray, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I want you to jump in here with us. Yeah, you know, you, with this new stage racing thing, you can uh, you can make up uh, with with good stage finishes, and, and Blaney has been able to do that. You're right that uh, Ryan has had a kind of up and down season. Uh, he's been aggressive. He's been taken out of races with with uh, crashes and and different things uh had some had some bad luck at some at some places and been been involved in some mishaps but he's been able to recover from those poor finishes with with uh garnering stage points and basically when you can finish you know when you can run good in stage point if you win a stage you get 10 points if you finish uh Second, you get nine and eight for third, and go on and so on and so forth. If you can get some de- decent stage finishes, you can you can really uh, move your way back up in points, and that's what Ryan's been able to do this year because he's had some really. I'd like to know how many. I, I guess he went into. Um, I'd like to know how many stage points he had going into the uh, to the playoffs. He had to be in pretty decent shape when you consider that. Uh, I guess. Uh, we all know Ryan Truex pretty much ran away with that, but there again, Kyle Larson padded his points with with decent stage finishes. So did Keselowski, and I believe Ryan was in pretty decent shape there as well. Seth might have that information. Uh, I'm actually looking at the uh, playoff points right now. Uh, I know Blaney has won one stage since the beginning of the playoffs he entered the playoffs with eight playoff points right, but, the, what I'm, but what i'm talking about he 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 helped himself before the playoffs yeah. start, started in his points battle by winning by finishing decent in the stages I, I, how many does it break it down by how many stage points he got during regular season do, do they uh, have a break breakdown on that i haven't seen that anywhere i know uh I'm sure that statistic exists. I, I, it, it, it probably exists somewhere. I haven't found it as of yet. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that the top uh, 16 drivers, of them, there was only one driver who hadn't earned any stage points 
And when I say stage points, I mean playoff points in this case. And that was Jamie McMurray. But of everyone in the playoffs, they had all earned enough stage points that it accounts for about roughly a quarter of the point total going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, then that's the neat thing with this with this stage thing. It, it was designed to 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 be able to create hard racing. And if you did um, if you did suffer some bad luck and you fin- had several poor finishes in races in some races, you could by virtue of racing hard, you could gain some of that loss back by gaining the extra points, you know, that you got for racing in the stage. So I think that's one of the neat things that, that has come from the stage uh, format that we've had this year. It has allowed, allowed drivers to gain ground, regain lost ground, I should say, uh, during, during the course of the season. And it just adds another element, another element of strategy. And, I, and, and one more thing that we have to look at when, when we look at these races. And, and there again, it, it uh, like Frank said, this system, you know, it, it does it does reward consistency because obviously the 78 has been probably the most consistent car of all. And obviously he's he's sitting pretty right now because of that. But uh, it has this new system has allowed guys who have who have not been as consistent to get back in the game, so to speak, by by being able to uh, to uh, get some uh, stage points and, and, and make up some of that lost ground. And one more note on Ryan Blaney, and this is just for fun. I don't know if any of y'all check out uh, Bubba Wallace on Twitter, but uh, Bubba dressed as Ryan Blaney for Halloween. <laughs> so I don't know if you had a chance to see that, with uh, complete with, uh, you know, the... Um, you know, uh, Ford Motorcraft hat, the gray hoodie, and the long hair. Um, but, and, and some makeup. And a little bit of makeup, yep, yep. So uh, that was fun. So, uh, so. And uh, also just one thing about Bubba Wallace, because he brought him up, uh, RPM has a sponsorship and paint scheme announcement this weekend at Texas for Bubba Wallace. Well, fantastic. I can't wait to see what it is. You know, I'm, I'm really thrilled that young man is getting a ride uh, with the king there, and I'm glad that they've got a sponsor to him now. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing what that is. So now um, Richard's asking if Smithfield is still on board. There's some arrangement, isn't there? Uh, some... They're a partner in the team. I think they are... probably realize that it's cheaper just to stick the name on the car for a few races than go through all the legal stuff, not they? Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the arrangement is, uh, I know they reached a truce, so to speak, in their <laughs> words. I have but, heard. Uh, it, I, I do know heard it used as I've heard the term severance used in every every kind of thing too. But there is, but there has been some some part agreement, and, and there there is some Smithfield money that will go uh, Richard Petty Motorsports way next year to help field uh, to help field that car. But one thing I do know is the sponsorship announcement on Friday, from what I've been told, is not Domino's. So anyone who's thinking that it's Domino's because uh, Bubba Wallace is still trying to court them, for now, it is not Domino's. Well, I... And that being, of course, because uh, Bubba was openly courting Domino's as a... Uh... He, he's, he's still trying. Uh, he 
also posted a video last night of a trick-or-treater, uh, or as he called him, a trick-or-treater, that was delivering Domino's Pizza. Yeah, I saw that. Yep, yep. And I mean, maybe it, maybe I they think... should go after Papa John's Pizza because Papa John's evidently is a little unhappy with the NFL right now and looking to pull some sponsorship money away from the NFL. So, uh, you know, maybe next time you run into Bubba, you could say, hey, you know, hit, hit old you know, Papa Schnatter up. So, but uh, Gray, anything else out of Martinsville we want to chat about before we go on to previewing Texas? And I know, Seth, we want to talk about the truck race before we um, <laughs> move on. No, I, I mean, I was I, I was pleased with the show. Um, I, I hate the weather turned out uh, like it did. Of course, we could never do anything about the weather with, with the weather. Um, I think the walk-up crowd probably was hurt a little bit by it. It was a decent crowd there. It was a decent uh, crowd, I, yeah. At the, at the beginning of the race, I think the cold weather as the race went on, I mean, I looked over looked over toward turn two with about uh, 200 laps to go, and it had thinned out a little bit. But it was that wind was brutal, and you can attest to that uh, up there. But um, yeah, I yeah, was hitting there. Yeah, turn two is is the section where you can uh, turn two, and then the uh, other section over between three and four are the sections where they sell the the youth and children tickets. There were a lot of people with kids that were just packing them up and taking them home because. Uh, well, that was right, right in the teeth of the wind. The wind blew right directly, and if you were sitting in turn two, the wind was blowing in your face. Right. And, uh, that had the big flag was sticking straight out all day. So, yeah, it was. Trust uh, me, it, I know. It, it, I was sitting there. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was. It was. It was pretty bad. But yeah, I was. I was pleased. Uh, I thought. It, I thought it was a really good show, and I thought. Uh, I thought they, the fans got what they wanted. Uh, and I think uh, it, it was a good race in, in the fact that uh, it, it's been talked about uh, a lot this week. And, and there's no such thing as bad publicity. And uh, NASCAR can uh, can use this. I think it uh, I think it was a very uh, a, tip, a very good race. I mean, you know, had 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 a little bit of everything. It had good racing and and a controversial finish. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think everybody goes away winning. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Seth, you like the race? It was a good race. It All was entertaining right. for sure. And Richard, you like the race? It had its moments, didn't it? It's um, you know, <laughs> I wonder how long they're going to uh, Richard, sort of you're just hold on to say yes. Oh, sorry, yes. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just picking on you because I like you, man. Go ahead. What you got? Um, how long they're going to sort of hold on to the coattails of uh, what Denny Allen did to Chase in the same way they did with Matt Kenseth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's Chumba ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And Joe Logano a couple of years ago. Oh, that'll yeah, that'll be the selling selling point for the tickets in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Too, I, mean, I don't think or you'll Texas. see that. Yeah, I don't think you'll see that. Yeah, I don't think you'll see that. the master of. Uh, Eddie Gossage is calling Chase Elliott the people's champ. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't. Yes. I, I honestly, I don't think you'll see any retribution at Texas. 
uh, it's a different type of racing. The speeds are too fast, and you, you really can't uh, do any close quarter racing there and get to roughing people up. I think, however, if there is grudges uh, and, and, and sizes, you will see some close quarter racing and maybe some, some rooting and gouging and bumping and grinding at Phoenix. So uh, we'll have to kind of look for a little bit of that out there. All right. Well, with that in mind, um, well, Seth, take us through the truck race real quick. Cause we had we had a couple of interesting stories. We had a new winner in the series. So just, yes, uh, just a couple of minutes on the truck series, then we'll go ahead and make our picks for Texas. Uh, Noah Gregson won the truck race uh, driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, it was his first career win, and he's from Las Vegas, Nevada. With everything that was going on in Vegas recently, it's nice to see that story pop up in NASCAR having – Essentially, Vegas winner sweep the weekend, but it was a very emotional win for him. Uh, he did his signature pull-ups on the catch fence. He climbed the catch fence and started doing pull-ups to celebrate. And then, he, I guess he's never seen a grandfather clock before because he called it a granddaddy watch. Uh, I know he was being a little funny there, but... He's only 18, so uh, his age, he may not have seen it, but he was having a little fun with uh, the names. Uh, you also had John Hunter Nemechek, who's in the playoffs, crash early, putting him behind the eight ball with two races left in the playoffs before their championship four. And another story that popped up, more so in qualifying and in the first half of the race, uh, 17-year-old Mason Diaz running for his own team. Uh, he ran the late mall race at Martinsville a couple weeks ago. Made his truck series debut. Qualified ninth. Out-qualifying Matt Crafton. Uh, out-qualifying John Arnimchek and a few other notable drivers. He ran well until he cut a tire about two-thirds of the way into the race and ended up two laps down in like 23rd. But he was battling inside the top ten and at one point inside the top five. And no one had really heard of the kid, at least in some senses. Yes, he's run late models. Yes, he's been there in late models. But there are some people who only pay attention to the top three levels of the sport that had not heard of this kid. And he was very impressive throughout the race. Ran a clean race. Ended up three wide with two other rookies at one point, Austin Cindric and Kaz Grala, and they kept it off of each other. So it was just an impressive run by the kid. Well, good for him, man. So um, so good truck race. Xfinity had the weekend off, correct? Correct. And Xfinity's back at Texas. All three series. All yep. three series, it's triple headers the rest of the season. All right. So we're heading to Texas. Um Two playoff, you know, or three playoff spots up for grabs, essentially. Uh, you know, if you to figure Truex is going to clinch or not. So, who do you guys like for Texas? Who wants to go first, Richard? Since we've been leaving you out. <laughs> One comment. Come on. Uh, no, um, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson. He, 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 I've said that for the last three weeks, but he does seem to uh, like to turn on at Texas. So we'll we'll give it a go. All right, uh, Gray. Who do, who do you like going into Texas? Hmm. I'm going to go back maybe to uh, 
to uh, look, look at how some people ran at, at Charlotte uh, a few weeks back. Uh, I'm going to say Kevin Harvick. He had a good run going at uh, at, uh, at Charlotte. Uh, I'm going to say he uh, he prevails at Texas. All right, that's a good pick. Yep. Now, Seth, who do you like for Texas? Well, I'm going to go with one of the obvious choices, and if he wins Texas or finishes inside the top five at Texas and at Homestead, he'll have a new record for average finish at 1.5-mile tracks. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. I think he's going to continue being the winningest driver this year. I can dig it. I, I mean, he's a, he's uh, to me, he's odds-on favorite. I'm yeah. Just, yeah, you I can't mean, go. I'm just trying to, trying to be devil's advocate. Yeah, you can't go wrong picking Truex this year. So, uh, uh, you know, anybody, anybody but him wins the championship, it'll be a travesty. But um, I'm going to go with my heart rather than my head and, and, and say that Keselowski squeezes out a win in Texas, even though it's not one of his best tracks. Uh, but, he, you know, I, I think he's going to take that um, – you know what he came into Martinsville with that with that must win attitude. Take that right to Texas and win the thing, and you know with or without Joey helping him. So, <laughs> so with, with that being said, there was a Formula One race this weekend in Mexico, and we crowned a champion. So, Richard, take us through the uh, Formula One race in Mexico briefly. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was never really in doubt. As soon as um, you know, as soon as we'd realised that Patel had, had had suffered damage on that start instance where he got together with Hamilton, so Hamilton cut his tyre after contacting Patel's uh, front wing end plate coming into turn or exit of turn two, entry of turn three. Um, it sort of you know it was impressive to watch Patel and Hamilton drive back through the field, but with Patel being down there, it was never really going to. Um, Never really going to fall into into uh, sorry with you know Vettel was never going to be in a position to win the race. Um, Verstappen drove a fantastic race. Um, he, he dominated the race there, and some interesting comments from Lewis post race is that you know, he sees Verstappen as the guy that's going to make him raise his game throughout you know in the years to come. Uh, Verstappen seems to be one of those guys that can push the car a little bit harder and a little bit further than a lot of the guys, um, which I guess is the differential between, you know, the good solid drivers, dare I highlight guys like maybe Valtteri Bottas in, in that group and Perez and Hulkenberg and guys like that, guys who can race at a very, very high level. But then you have the Alonzas, the Hamiltons, the Vettels, the Verstappens that can push it to the other, to the next level. Um, and for once, you know, Mexico was a real tease, if you like, for what Formula One could be like. If all the teams get everything together, you know, you had four manufacturers up there who could really compete. You know, the Ferrari were up there, um, you know, Mercedes, Red Bull, and and you started to see. I want to say, well, maybe not four, maybe three and a half. You know, some of the, you know, you can quite easily see a Force India pushing there, and it gives hope to. McLaren to see the the Renault actually win a race at a circuit that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to because such high altitude it puts stress on the engines and you saw it with actually both the Toro Rosso suffer from engine issues um, 
and on top of all of that, as you mentioned, we, we did crown a champion. Unfortunately, it became a little bit of an anticlimax over the last few weeks, and it pretty much became expected. Uh, unless something catastrophic happened to Lewis, that um, he would unwrap the championship up. Um, almost did. You can question Lewis at the start of the race there, getting a little bit... Uh, a little bit aggressive, and and maybe maybe that wasn't the way to do it. But Lewis said before the race that he wanted to win the championship with a win on the top step of the podium. Didn't get his own way with that one, uh, which was um, I guess you can consider a shame from his perspective. Um, but uh, you know, it did give uh, give Max an opportunity to to show what he's uh, what he's capable of. And in other most Formula One news, especially. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week between the FIA, Liberty, uh, media owners of Formula One and the teams and the engine manufacturers on an engine package post-2021 where they want to strip back some of the extremely expensive technologies that they uh, have in the engine package now and go to a simpler engine still based around the concept of a um, you know the V6 uh, turbo-style engine. Uh, but removing a lot of these highly expensive electric motors that, uh, that, that drive the turbo in there, um, which will encourage some of the uh, manufacturers potentially to come into the sport and breathe some new life into um, this perceived Mercedes dominance. Um, hopefully it'll do that. I think it's good for the sport to have more teams involved and more um, exposure, you know, uh, Aston Martin are very um, interested in, in in coming back at, or coming into the sport as as a new brand. Whether that's uh, in conjunction with Red Bull, which is the the rumoured um, setup, or if that's on their own back as a you know an independent engine supplier, we'll we'll have to wait to see. But the more people that get involved, um, the better on that front. Absolutely. Now. Let's go back to Lewis Hamilton because I know, Richard, you're a huge fan. <laughs> so there's been a lot of talk. Now, Lewis is now a four-time world champion. And that puts him in very rare company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking he's right up there with uh, Vettel, Prost, um, yep. Fangio, uh, and Schumacher, the only guys with more than three, yep. uh, unless I've missed one. Um, now, there's a little bit of backlash because, uh, you know, unlike you, who he was a huge Lewis Hamilton fan, other folks don't think as much of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Richard. But um, now the couple of guys have uh, Alan Prost had um, they had asked him, do you think, uh, you know, uh, Hamilton will eventually eclipse the seven championship record uh, that Michael Schumacher said, and. Um, he says, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous, absolutely impossible. Um, Jackie Stewart was asked if uh, if Lewis Hamilton should now be knighted. Um, and you know, <laughs> we know Jackie Stewart is knighted, um, you know, Sir Jackie, and he said, absolutely not. Uh, you know, a, a sportsman should not be knighted for his ability on the track, but rather for a combination of a lot of things. So there's a lot of backlash from uh, from Hamilton haters out there. And, um, I mean, is this, as I look at this thing, right, you look at Hamilton, he's had nothing but the best equipment his entire career. You know, even, even as a rookie in 2007, he was dropped into McLaren, um, when McLaren was at the top of their game. It took him, uh, one year to win his first championship. 
and then he, when McLaren started falling, he moved to Mercedes. Mercedes at the top of the game. But some of these other cats with the multiple championships, um, namely Alan Prost, he was with uh, McLaren when they were at the top of their game. There was a, a season right there where between Prost and his teammate Senna, they won 15 of the 16 rounds. Um, Michael Schumacher, his years with Ferrari, Ferrari was certainly uh, the top manufacturer at the time. Uh, I think a lot of these other, and and Vettel, you know, Red Bull was the class of the field at the time. So uh, is it unfair to uh, to say Lewis's record is tarnished because he's with the best team? That's a very good question. Um, I don't think that tarnishes his record because to 90% of motor racing fans, they really don't care. You know, it's the the diehard motor racing fans like, you know, you and I and, and the listeners to the show, they're the people that will look at, um, you know, not just look at pure numbers. They'll look at the takeaway of where he was at what time he was at um, in his career. You can argue, and, and many, many people will, that of the current generation, um, people will put Alonso on the same level as Vettel and Hamilton. Alonso only has two world championships, only two world championships to his name. The difference there is Alonso seems to have had the habit of making the wrong move or at the wrong time. Uh, you know, the, the jumping to McLaren and all the mess there and then jumping to Ferrari at the worst time. And now as Ferrari seems to have raised their game, he's jumping to McLaren and they're on the slide. So it's a very, um, there is a lot to be said about how a driver can build a team around him. Uh, You know, the the prime example in recent history, of course, is the way Schumacher turned Ferrari around in in the early 2000s there, having them having not won a championship in 21 years to win five in a row um, under the the technical leadership of Ross Braun and Rory Byrne and... and, um, Guys like that, and you know, obviously Schumacher is the driver there. He he was the the catalyst, if you like, that brought everybody together. Has Hamilton had such an influence on Mercedes? I don't think so. I think it's just the way it's happened to work for him. Um, obviously, his talent has enabled him to be attracted to these teams. I mean, you know, Mercedes wouldn't have picked him if he wasn't a phenomenal talent, but. I, I think for him to be a true great and people to to really get on board with him, and as Jackie Stewart said, to be considered for for a, a British national, the ultimate recon- uh, recognition to be knighted, it's more about what you do outside of your designated sport. Um, you know, Jackie Stewart had done a huge amount for road safety and safety in motorsport, so that's where his his um, recognition comes. Lewis, I mean, he doesn't even live in the UK. He's openly distanced himself from being in the UK. He's done absolutely nothing for British um, endeavours in the world, should we say. Um, he's almost become a laughing stock of, uh, of um, you know, the press and the media back in the UK. Um, so I, I think he'll have to it's, it's sad when you say that a guy who's in his early 30s, I think he's like 31, 32 now, um, needs to mature before he's considered a true great. 
But I think he does need to take a little bit of responsibility for who he is, how he carries himself and how he acts to to really sort of raise himself to the level of a, of a Prost or a Fangio or a uh, Schumacher or, or, or even guys who haven't won as many championships, you know, the, the likes of Jim Clark and Senna and uh, and people in that sort of um, um, sentence, for want of a better word. That's, yeah, I mean, think, that's uh, excellent insight, Richard. Go ahead, Gray. What I was going to say, yeah, and, and, and to endear him, endear himself to his countrymen because he's following the footsteps of, of the great Jim Clark and, and Jackie Stewart. And, you know, he's, uh, uh, with all his accolades that he's won, he's still, he's still not revered, you know, as, as those two are. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what, you know, Richard just summed it up. You look at, you know, I, I look at somebody like James Hunt, you know, who was the archetypal British playboy, for want of a better word. You know, he, he had, you know, a woman on each arm and he drank and he, he, he knew how to enjoy himself. And and that's the sort of icon that the British people really get behind. Um, and Lewis at times just comes along, comes across as being very petulant and very... Um, and some of the things he says, it's just... It's so frustrating because there's no doubt that he is an extremely talented driver, and um, you know, some of it you just think you almost would. And this isn't being disrespectful to any other sports, but you could see him as a basketball player or an NFL player or a, a soccer player back in the UK. You know, it's just you wouldn't leave, you wouldn't let your kids anywhere near him, would you? If you had a daughter and he said, "Oh," and she said, "Oh, I'm going on a date with Lewis Hamilton," you would run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's funny. Yeah, well, yeah well, I mean, and, and, I mean it's, do you think Lu- like, Lewis is a product of his time? You know what I mean? Cause, no, cause I don't. It, well, okay. I really don't because look at you know look at his peers. You look at the likes of Vital. You know, he's a. You don't know anything about Vital's personal life. Um, you know, you look at um, you know look at Schumacher. He was controversial on the track at times, but off the track, there was never any news about him really. Um, yeah, he was kind. Of, he was kind of obscure. I mean, we we talked about uh, Schumacher would would come over to the, would come to the United States and ride his ride his motorcycles, and he would yeah. he would take these treks across the United States and go here there, and he would and he 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 liked the anonymity to be able well, to exactly. go to go anywhere he wanted to in the United States. And just be one of the people, and come and and not being mobbed by fans like he was, like he was, like he would be over in Europe or other places in the world. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a story that's infamous within the in, in the walls of Formula One teams. Now, whether there's any truth in this, I'm please don't take this as as gospel. But there's a rumor that when Lewis Hamilton was dating Nicole Scherzinger, who was one of the Pussycat Dolls or whatever it was, but that's the first time they've been mentioned on this show. Um, <laughs> he was asked in an interview by a lifestyle magazine, what's it like dating a celebrity? And he stormed out of the interview. And they ended he, up splitting up. Because he was a celebrity. He's a celebrity, yeah. Right. He stormed out of the interview and they split up pretty soon after that because he didn't like the thought that he wasn't the celebrity. And that, well, he's, he's, you know, yeah. He wasn't going to play second fiddle or back seat to nope. to anyone, yeah. Nope, 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 nope. 
And that sums him up a lot in my book, and that's where he needs to work on and engage with the fans and make them want to like him, because at the moment he's really struggling. Yeah, but do you think, I mean, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where when we look back, you know, 10, 15 years from now, and we look back on his career, do you think uh, his his public perception, if, if he does, will soften some, and people will, will give him give him credit for for actually what what he did accomplish. I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at the, some of the guys we were mentioning there earlier in in the same sort of league. You know, the guys that have retired now. You look at uh, you look at Prost, and everybody considers you know the professor, the calculated driver. You know, if he he was exact opposite to Lewis. If he had to finish fifth in the race to finish the world cha- to win the world championship, he would finish fifth. No risk. You look at Senna. He was the flamboyant Brazilian who would take every risk going and push the car to the limit. You know, Schumacher was like the um, clinical driver who would push the rules to the limit to 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 get what he wanted and and would would stop at nothing. In a similar way to Senna, but but not as in such a natural talent way of Senna. And you struggle to think of how people will remember Hamilton. What has he do- What sets him aside from everybody else, apart from being in a dominant car? You know, what does he have about his personality that will link him? Because in, in 20 years' time, all of his race wins and pole positions and championships and everything else that goes with it are just numbers. You know, it's the personalities which tend to, I think, last longer in people's minds. Yeah, but if you look, like I said, I want to go back to this about Lewis being a product of his time, right? If you look at all these professional athletes, uh, you know, they're all active on Twitter. You know what I mean? They're all getting their, you know, you said we didn't know anything about Schumacher's personal life. Well, they didn't have Twitter back then. You know, they didn't, they didn't have this outlet to kind of spew your life onto onto everybody, you know, and, and to put it out there, you know, and say, hey, I'm hanging out with Ice-T tonight, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. And, and I think he's trying to, I don't know if he's trying to, he's, he's trying to connect with uh, that type of audience that, that, that eats that stuff up, you know, which, which you find a lot of people eat that celebrity up, and he's just... As of you know, it's it, in the states at least it, it it doesn't fly because he's not well known. But if it's uh, you know a football player doing this or whatnot, oh that's all that's all well and good. That's fun, yeah. So I, I don't know because but the interesting thing that I know we want to sort of wrap this up and move on a little bit, but y- you you say that that's what people do, and I get that to a certain extent, but that's not what race drivers do. Racing drivers are on another level, into, and this isn't being disrespectful to any other athletes in the sports stars, but, you know, if you are a, a, a racing driver, you know, they tend to typically be able to carry themselves a little bit better, and they have a bit more about them. Um, and it's, it, yeah, I think Lewis has just, he's lost his way a little bit. He's trying to be somebody that he isn't. Um, you know, he wants to, you know, he's trying to be, I think that's the best way to describe it, it's my mind, he's trying to be somebody that he isn't, and 
I think he's running a risk there of distancing himself from the fans and his legacy going forward. So let me throw this out. Is Lewis setting the mold for future world champions? No. Uh, I mean, is, is Lance Stroll going to act like this in five years? After, no, after because... After he wins his three titles with Williams. Steady now. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, just, I don't I'm think he is. I, I really I, don't think he is. I, I like yeah, Lewis right, Hamilton I, I as much it. as you do. I mean, I think, but I think you look at, again, you look at some of his peers, you look at the guys like Vettel and Alonso, and, you know, everybody knows Kimi is a bit, you know, he likes a drink, but that almost endears people to him. Um, you, know, you look at the people he's driving with now, and none of them create as many pages in the gossip commons as Hamilton does. Um, and unfortunately, Hamilton's living by the, the value of, um, you know, um, you know, even bad press is good press. Well, no, not really. At some point, it is. You know, bad press is bad press. You know, and, and I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but but you, but, no. but talking about that, and I, and I look look at how Alonso was received at Indy this year. I mean, yeah. by by fans worldwide, how he came in, he was humble. He 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 uh, just. The whole experience, he just he he flourished in it. I mean, and and really made. I think he Alonzo made fans throughout the world, uh, especially in, in the United States, of how he came into Indy. He didn't come in boasting. He came in with a very workmanlike attitude, very appreciative of the opportunity that he was getting, and he made the most of it. And I thought was very gracious and very humble. Yeah. And how we handled it, and I tell you what, it was amazing. And I mean, I went away with an altogether new appreciation of, of Fernando Alonso and became a fan. I mean, I was already a fan of his ability, but just so much more of, of Alonso the man. You know, yeah. after after seeing how he handled himself at Indy during the month of May, and and you know, it, it left me wanting more. I would love to see him come back over. And 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 uh, jump into IndyCar. I think it just it'd be so refreshing with with his personality, you know, in the sport. And he'll be, he'll be at Daytona in in February. Or and I think late, late I think Jeff you'll see like twenty four, yeah. And I think he'll and, be a big big story, and you'll see the same thing uh, when 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 he's uh, in Daytona in February. And then to the flip side of that, the the way that you know Alonso engaged with Indy, he 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 sort of uh, what's the word absorbed the experience and he 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 went in there fully committed and he did all of his background he appreciated the history of the race at the same time as Lonzo doing that you had Hamilton saying oh well all they do is turn left how hard can it be and, and yeah and, and true he did and by by doing those things he he gained the respect uh, oh, hugely! Every everybody in the field, the the, the fellow drivers, they went away yeah. in awe of his ability yeah. of that, and I think it speaks so much for for the man, and that's why I think it's been, you know, I for one have always wished that Alonso uh, was was in a better ride. Yeah, I mean, there was no there was no arrogance there. There was no concept of well, I'm a Formula One driver, so I'm better than you guys. You know, he. He he sat down and he talked with, um, you know, the Andretti teammates that he was set up with. He learned from them. He engaged with them. He he became part of the team. Um, 
he paid his dues. Exactly, and uh, you know, yeah. huge amount of respect there. And you know, he's never done it, so I can't speak. But in all honesty, can you sit there and think that um, you know Hamilton in the same situation would have acted in the same way? He'd probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Exactly. Well, he, yep. he, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way sitting on the sidelines, trashing IndyCar drivers while Alonzo was over there. So, yeah, and don't think that will be forgotten should Lewis ever get the opportunity to come over and and, and do this. And I don't know it, that he will. I don't know the, that he the, will fun, The funny thing is the, um, uh, you know, the um, Indianapolis-style uh, racing scares the fire out of a lot of drivers from both Formula One and NASCAR, you got you got a lot of NASCAR guys that that are, you know, and I'll, I'll mention um, uh, Jimmy Johnson said, "Yeah, I'd have done it before I had kids." You know, they're just those speeds and that trajectory of the yep. car and and the, the element of danger that's that's still there because we've had you know the most two uh, recent high profile racing deaths in racing have come in Indy cars, you know, because Dan uh, Weldon. So, um, yep. so you got guys that just won't touch it, and I think uh, Lewis is going to be one of those. And I think that uh, you know, hats off to Alonzo for coming over and giving it giving it um, an honest run. So, Gray, I'm no, I know you've got to step away and get out of here. So, uh, I want to say good night for to Gray and um, appreciate your insights tonight. Uh, good night, guys. Talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Gray. Um, so. Formula One, we've got, uh, what, a couple weeks off? Or one week off, and then yeah, we're, and then then we're to, Bra- to Brazil? Yep. We've got Brazil, and then we've got, uh, then the season ender is? Uh, um, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah, so uh, with the championship already decided, so um, that'll be that for the Formula One season. Um, in IndyCar news, Joseph Newgarden decided he's going to go ahead and take that number one on his Penske car next year. Um, following Simon Pagenaud last year, took the number one. Will Power took the number one. Uh, we had a good discussion about this earlier uh, off the air, so we'll, we'll bring it again. Um, the number one, uh, you know, is it? it's proper, as Richard said, right? <laughs> I, it's proper to have the champion run the number one the next year. That, that goes back to Formula One. And now IndyCar has that uh, uh, you can run it if you want to. The funny thing is the guys that have chosen not to run the number one, Dario Franchitti, for instance, Scott Dixon, for instance, are the guys that won multiple championships. The guys that choose to run the number one, uh, a couple more recent champions, Will Power ran the one, um, Pagano ran the one, Newgarden's going to run the one. Um, uh, you know, are we going to see multiple championships out of these guys? Is the number one bad luck or no? Richard, uh, I, I'm not a big believer in good luck or bad luck when it comes to motor racing, especially over the course of uh, you know a long season like these guys race. You know, um, you, you go out there, you you win the championship I, again. I think it's the proper and right thing to do. I think it shows respect to the heritage of the sport, and um, you know, go out there and and show that you're you're more in tune with the history of the sport than you are with the marketing aspect of it well there you go seth final thought for the night as we head on to the next one uh, racing i have two quick final thoughts yeah. first off for the truck series uh 
Austin Wayne Self will be running full-time next year for Nice Motorsports, and Matt Crafton will be returning to Thor Sport Racing. In the Xfinity Series, uh, the Aero Restrictor Plate uh, package that they ran at Indianapolis Moore Speedway will return next year for Indianapolis Moore Speedway, Pocono Raceway, and Michigan Speedway. So that's essentially extensive amount of, of plate races. It essentially creates from three restrictor plate races last year, four this year, to six next year. Although at Indy and more than likely at Pocono, they won't be able to run uh, full throttle throughout the entire track. Michigan with tie banks, they may have pack racing like Daytona, like Talladega, but until we get there, it's still an unknown. Okay, well, we'll have to see how that all works out. So, now, Richard, final thought for the night? And you've said um, all the bad stuff you can about Lewis Hamilton, so you might as well just... Oh, I was going to have another go at him then. Oh, go ahead, man. Stick it to him good. It was just, the, you know, for the first time in a long, long time, the most underwhelming champion in Formula 1. Um, you know, taking take out all of the uh, personal um, attacks on him. No, so he... <laughs> The, the the personal sort of um, you know way people the way you can rub people up the wrong way, um, you know it was just it lost its way a little bit there the championship towards the end of the season when you know Ferrari started to uh, have their issues now I still firmly believe that if, even if um, Vettel hadn't had those issues um, in sort of the the back end of the middle third of the season there. Hamilton would have still won, but it, it was a shame that we didn't get to see the fight that it could have been going towards the end of the season. And you've now got two races that are just going to be a bit of a parade, and you you sort of you wonder what antics Hamilton will get up to. Really, you'll probably get his dog to drive the car or something for one of the races. I don't know. Or well, there was that guy back in NASCAR. Was it uh, uh, used to have the Joe Joe Flock had the. Had, had the key in the car. Seth, Seth, who was the guy that used to drive with a monkey in his car? Jocko? Uh, Call the monkey Jocko Flocko? Uh, it was either Jim Flock or Tim Flock. Tim Flock. Tim Flock had a monkey in his car until NASA finally said, hey, you know, uh, monkey in a car is bad at uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't NASCAR. It was uh, the monkey got out of its uh, seatbelt. And uh, it was messy with him <laughs> out the green. I mean, <laughs> you, I, you know what? We just don't have stuff like that in racing anymore. What we have is Lewis Hamilton on Twitter. I mean, that the the, the thing is, that, I mean, that would be funny if it wasn't true. And in a way, the fact it is true makes it even funnier. But then, to the same extent, the fact it's true makes it really sad. <laughs> okay. I don't know why it's sad. I don't know why it's funny, though. Because it's just... uh, How? Why? Who thought at any point in time was that a good idea? Because he had a pet monkey and he wanted his monkey to race with him. But... but uh, I've got a pet goldfish. I don't take it to work with me every day. Oh, Richard, it was the 1950s. It was the post-World War II era. (laughs) People were trying new (laughs) things. So... <laughs> All right, we're we're getting we're getting a little nutty tonight. So I'll just give you my final thought. Um, um, hanging out at Martinsville this week, and even though it was miserably cold, um, man, that was uh, 
pretty much the best NASCAR race I've seen this year. We need the short tracks on the schedule. We need the short tracks in the playoffs. We could use a little, few more short tracks on the schedule. I know that's not going to happen, but uh, my God, I love the short tracks. So, with that being said, I want to thank you, Seth. I want to thank you, Richard. Had a great time conversing with you tonight. Uh, Gray has uh, stepped away for the evening. I want to thank you, Gray. I always enjoy your insights. So, uh, until next week, guys, you're listening to Drafting the Circus on the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 